0: And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast that sits at the crossroads of faith and pop culture. Dan Dozella, myself, Son, and him talk about the stories and social issues that affect us today. And Dan, one of the things that is highly popular is this kind of avenue of venue or world of self-help, positivity, positive thinkings, um, energy things like that. You know, you'll often see in social media posts, um, I'm going in for surgery today, or I'm not feeling well today, you know, positive vibes welcomed, you know, or I'm sending you positive vibes, things like that. And I often thought it was kind of, entertaining and hilarious yet sad at the same time because how do you send positive vibes to somebody what does that even mean and what what's the reception of that supposed to be and of course it stems from this self-help world where people like you know Tony Robbins for example or even if you go back I think it's been 20 years now since this book has been written um, Jack Canfield wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul and there's been many others But even sometimes Christians will adapt to these self-help guru type things. And you happen to write an article about this self-help formulas versus Christian conversion on the Christian post. And I thought it'd be something that could be, we could discuss because the more you talk to Christians today, just in general, a lot of times they're moving away from seeking God's help to doing it themselves. And then we only call upon God when we can't handle it ourselves, when our first call should be, um, you know, to God. And then second, what's this whole self about and self-help? How can we help ourselves? Um, and so I thought that's something that we could probably uh, delve into in this podcast here today.
1: I think it's a great topic, son. I'm really uh, glad you're you're tackling this. And I I wrote the article because it is, as you say, uh, so prevalent uh, among uh, people's thinking today. Um, we hear so much about self-help, self-esteem. You know, we we uh, as Christians we talk a lot about the problem of self-righteousness, uh, where, where where people are seeking to uh, save their soul by their by their works. But um, all of these things, self-esteem, self self self-help, self-righteousness, obviously they're all centered on self. Um, They're all focused on you as an individual improving yourself. And then you have all these different tips and and ways that you uh, can, can attempt to do that. Now, there are a number of problems with it, son, not the least of which is even if you try to be perfect and do that month after month, year after year, you're still going to come up far short. You're still going to um, run into all of these uh, failings that, that we all have. Uh, So, so whoever thinks that they're not going to run into that is is only kidding himself or herself. So it doesn't ultimately um, satisfy the soul. It still leaves you longing for something more. Um, Many times it it leads to pride because now you have um, made all these adjustments and you're so proud of what you've done uh, to yourself Uh, or on the the other uh, end of the spectrum. Some people are so hard on themselves uh because they can't seem to ever feel good about uh who they are and and so this obsession with self esteem what I sometimes refer to as like the gospel of self esteem here in america um it it really is a far cry from what the Bible offers us what God offers us uh through Christian conversion. Um, God offers us uh, something uh, supernatural, not merely picking yourself up by your bootstraps or learning a few principles and improving yourself not Not that those things you know never provide some um, you know temporary benefits to people, uh, but here 's the deal. Um, God comes in and offers uh, not only a complete makeover um in essence and this is what I said in the article God shows us through his word how in order for us to be improved we first have to be removed and it's a it's a revolutionary uh concept you only find this in Christianity where where when when self dies Um, Christ comes in to live and then lives in and through the the follower of Christ, the, the new believer, the Christian, the person who's born again and saved and redeemed and justified by trusting in Christ as Savior. And this is what the Apostle Paul meant, son, when he wrote, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this is radical because it is, it is so different than what we naturally would assume we have to do to, to improve ourselves. You know, well, I have to change this habit. I have to change that habit. And, and, and while a lot of that is true in, in, in one respect, it doesn't get down to the core issue of who is going to be sitting on the throne of our heart. Because if it's self, Then the best a person's ever going to have is as much self-esteem as they can muster, um, as much self-help as they can, um, you know, apply in their life, as much self-righteousness as, as they can, um, work up, uh, in their religious efforts. But none of that begins to touch what what God does when he converts a soul. So this whole doctrine of conversion, you know, Jesus uh, in John chapter three talked about this with Nicodemus, the Pharisee. And he said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit gives birth to man's spirit. Well, how does that happen? Well, later in that chapter, the most Familiar verse in the Bible: Jesus said, "God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life." So, when a person repents of their sin and trusts Christ as Savior, um, they are converted and self dies, uh, and Christ comes in under the throne of the heart. And now the the Christian life. It's really a matter now of the new believer saying no to this sinful thought, this sinful desire, no to this temptation, for this behavior. You know, it's really about saying no, just say no. Because everything else God, you know, God's going to do. He he won't he won't say no for us in the sense that he won't make that decision to reject the bad. He he leaves that up to us with our free will. But if we'll say no, And if we don't get in the way of our king, who's now on the throne of our heart, um, a lot of good's gonna come through us. Um, to other people. It's when we don't say no to selfishness and selfish desires. You know, self was put to death at conversion, but somewhere along the way, um, self didn't get the memo. And and so like a, a zombie, I guess you could say, self tries to come back from the dead and get back up on the throne. And, and the way that plays out, Son, is when we as believers, um Think sinful thoughts or give in to sinful temptation. That's that self. That's that's not who we've been created in Christ to be. That's the old person. That's the old life. Um, those are the things God wants us to say no to, because um, we now have been improved uh, greatly. Uh, but it's because Christ is now in us. We've been forgiven first and foremost because at conversion you're forgiven. Prior to conversion, you're not forgiven of your sins. Um, you, you may have applied all the self-help principles. You may have worked on self-esteem. and, and But, uh, you know, one of the other things, Son, and then I'll, I'll let you jump in here because I'm sure this has generated a few thoughts uh, that you'll have and questions. But one of the many problems with self-esteem is it does nothing to protect your heart when you come under criticism. Um, a person who's been built up on self-esteem rather than the gospel, they tend to be fairly uh, thin-skinned fairly quick to get angry very fairly quick to get defensive but that's all of us in our sinful nature isn't it that's our flesh quick to get angry um you know quick to be defensive quick to take things personally why oh well you can't do that to me to which the biblical answer is wait a minute, me is not part of the equation anymore. You know, and 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 so it actually sounded it, it helps us tremendously when when things happen to us because if we rely on Christ then that's all just being done, um, you know, in a way that doesn't really touch who we are as, as Christians. Um, we now have a new life. We have a new identity. You know, we hear a lot today about identity. You know, what is your identity? Well, for the believer, our identity is in Christ. Whether you're male or female, your identity is in Christ. Whatever your race, your identity is in Christ. Okay. Uh whether you're Jew or Gentile, your identity is in Christ. If you're a believer in Yeshua the Messiah, if you've received Jesus as your savior and you're born again, saved, redeemed, justified and forgiven. And and so this is what um I really addressed in the article Son um when I compared self-help formulas to Christian conversion and boy is there a world of difference between those two things.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I find interesting is that if you look at somebody like a Tony Robbins, a lot of his ideas behind behind uh, being a self-help guru is to get people to change their mindset, remove negative thoughts, replace them with positive thoughts, overcome the fear. And you can do this by yourself, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you take a look at something like 2 Timothy 1.7. So mm-hmm. we're talking about fear, for example. You know, Tony Robbins you can overcome your fear of failure, overcome your fear of whatever, by changing your mindset and introducing yourself to positive thoughts. Well, then you have 2 Timothy 1 7 that says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self control. And so there it's talking about, you know, God giving us this. And so then as you look through the Bible for so called self help verses, you find mm-hmm. things that can better yourself, but it's all through God. It's all through biblical principles. You know, Philippians 4 13, I can do all things. Um, you know, through Christ who strengthens me. And so it's like when you start to look for these self-help verses, even though there might be a subcategory that you find online if you do a search or something, but if you really delve into the scriptures, there is no verse in the Bible that says you can do it yourself or you can do it by yourself. Everything is, and you can look at the scriptures. You know, everything is... God can do it, or you can do it with god 's power, like you said, Christ is in you, therefore you have the ability to do this, or if you act a certain way that 's because God is there to change your heart and so again, when you get back to this whole concept of self help and you 're trying mm-hmm. to do it yourself, like you mentioned, you know if you want to improve or if you want to be improved, you need to be removed and it 's almost like you say it 's almost like a uh, you know if you think of surgery, you know, if there's something wrong with you, you got to get it out, right? You got a bad, let's say appendix, or you got to remove it. Um, and then oftentimes if you have like a knee replacement surgery or something, you know, they're going to remove the old decayed knee or the broken down knee, and they're going to replace it with new, you know, state of the art, whatever material there is to make it better. And it's almost mm-hmm. like, that's what it is. It's like, if we allow God to come into us, if we allow Jesus to come into us, then the fear that we have, we have the power to overcome that. If we have, um, the need to maybe, like I say, get in more self control or, or deal in positivity, as they say. You know, we can do that because God gives us the strength. Jesus gives us the strength to do that. And there really is nothing as far as scripture goes that says you can do it by yourself and on your own without anything else influencing you except you.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, Son. And, you know, I think about what Paul wrote on this issue in Romans chapter 7. And this is this is just incredible, uh, you know, the the perspective that we get about who we are in Christ. You know, Paul recognized that even within him, um, he still had a struggle with sin, uh, you know, even after he was converted. Now, you know, for Paul, this might have been maybe he would have a 10-second lapse or a 20-second lapse where maybe he'd, you know, be thinking some, some not so good thoughts about those people who were persecuting him, or or, or who knows what it might have been. But I'll tell you what, I, I I don't believe for a second it was anything um, hugely problematic in his life. Or I think we would have heard about it uh, because God uh, did not hide within Scripture um, when His people had warts. Uh, he let us know about it um, for a number of reasons to show God's faithfulness, to show the imperfections of man, to show that you know you can still be you know loved by God and used by God even though you. Mess up, but I mean Paul. After he was converted, we're not told of any you know major mess ups, if you will, that he had. But having said that, Paul recognized that he still sin. Now, here's what he wrote: as a, as a believer, he said, um, "I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature." Um now now what what what's so um amazing about that is that he's identifying himself more with his desire to live for Christ whereas now his whatever failings there are um that's all the old life that's on sin now paul wasn't saying i'm not responsible for that i'm not culpable for that but he was saying that's not me Okay, so, okay, yeah, I recognize I had this 20 second lapse and I shouldn't have been thinking that, but that's the sin living in me that does it. Now, somebody might say, well, that sounds like a cop out. No, no, that's the Christian life. And, and here's what I mean by that um, the Christian life is that sin still fights for control. But when we say no to that, Christ then lives in us in a much more unhindered way in his kingly rule on the throne of our heart. When we um, give in to sin, the old nature, um, then like Paul, we say, hey, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The evil I don't want to do that, I keep on doing. Um, you know, as it is, it's all or I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. So, So once we're converted... Um now our life is so hidden with Christ it's so connected with Christ that we we don't have our own individual identity anymore. We had that as, a, as an unconverted person. We had our own identity. Now our identity is very much wrapped up in in Jesus. And so I mean, even like when Paul says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me," um, even there, yes, he uses the I word. But I mean, it, it sometimes is impossible to talk about your Christian life without sometimes maybe you know using the I word. But, but what Paul recognized, though, over and over again is that it's Christ doing that through us, the good that is. He's doing the good. And and this is very, very different than self-help. Um, in fact, uh, I like to think of self as that sinful nature, that old nature, uh, because that we were, we were on the throne of our heart. Uh, self was on the throne. We called the shots, and that was very much our sinful nature, being on the throne. Uh, because when you're unconverted, you're committing the sin of unbelief, um, you're committing many other sins, but you're not converted. You're separate from God because of your sin. Um, and, and and so yourself is intertwined with your sinful nature. Okay. Now, once you're converted, you become untwined, untangled from that a good bit. Now, what I mean is you're saying, Paul writes it this way in Romans, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You could almost say we are set free from ourselves. We're set free from that old life, that that selfish life, that sinful life that was so intertwined um, with who we were because of sin within us. So this new identity is Christ and Christ alone. He alone is our salvation. And not only is he our justification, but he's also our sanctification. In other words, some people might think, well, you know, Jesus saves him, but now I need to go out myself and live the Christian life. And I would say, well, that's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, the Bible teaches Jesus is your justification, and he, he will also be your sanctification, but you're going to have a role. And your role is going to be to say no. No to that attitude about that person. No to that attitude about that situation. No to that desire. No to that temptation. And whenever we don't with our mind say no, whenever we start to dwell on those things, uh, we're that much closer than even acting on it, even more so than in our thoughts, which in a way is we're already acting on it. And what I mean by that is it's already a sinful act. To choose to dwell on something sinful is a sinful act. Why else would Jesus say, you know, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already uh, committed adultery with her in his heart? That is a sinful act. Uh, to hold a grudge is a sinful act. Um, to think, you know, uh, mean thoughts about someone or judgmental, uh, have a judgmental attitude towards someone. I mean, these are all sinful thoughts that are part of the old nature. Um, that's not who God's called us to be. And so Paul can say, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The evil I don't want to do, um, that I keep on doing as it is. is no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. In other words, that zombie, that, that guy, that old man, you know, we talk about the the old man and the new man, the old life and the new life. The old man is the sinful nature. That was self. But now, self has been dethroned. Um, we've surrendered our life to Christ, and you know, God worked in us to do that. We can't take credit for it, but we handed over control. You know, uh, you know, they they just had the change. You know, from uh, Queen Elizabeth now to uh, to King Charles the Third, so they they had the transition there uh, with the uh, the monarchy there. Um, well, something similar happens when a person becomes a Christian. Uh, there's a transition. And, and self is no longer on the throne. Uh, excuse me. It doesn't mean that um, Christians never give in to selfish desires uh, because we do at times. But, but God is teaching us to say no. In fact, in Titus it says, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. So this is the Christian life now. Um, there's been a great exchange. Um, in in order for us to be improved, we had to be removed. It wasn't like, Oh, here, here's 10 steps to improve yourself. That's not Christianity. Um, you know, Christianity is Jesus said, you must be born again. Okay. You must be converted. In other words, you must be removed from this equation. I need to come in and sit on the throne of your heart and I will live through you. I will shine through you. Um, well, but Lord, what credit do I get? Well, you, you don't get any. Why should you get any credit? Uh, Lord, well, what blame do I get? Well, you get to blame when you do things wrong. Oh, so you're going to send me to hell? No, you're on my team. You're in my family. I'm not going to send you to hell. Why would I send you to hell? My blood's forgiving your sins. But you said I get the blame. Well, yeah, I, if, you're not, if you're not perfect, you're going, to get the, you're going to still get some blame. But it's not like shame and, and condemnation. It's not like God's, you know, standing there waving the finger at us. How dare you? You know, um, we don't have to live in shame. Self-esteem uh, keeps people in shame. Self-esteem uh, keeps people in self-hatred. Self-esteem messes people up with, with arrogance and pride because all about me. Either look how great I am, like the Pharisees thought. Or look how terrible I am, like some of these poor people who today, um, you know, they're so depressed because they, they believe they're such miserable people. Maybe that was ingrained in them by a parent or someone else, you know, sadly. And so they, they can't seem to break free from their feelings about themselves. And this is what Christianity does. This is what conversion does. This is what Jesus does. Um, this is why Jesus said you must be born again, because I'll tell you, son, there's a much, much, much better way to live life. Than um, pursuing the gospel of self-esteem, you know, um, uh, reading all the self-help books and and trying to be a self-righteous person—all of those things will fail. They do. They all ultimately fail. None of those things get a person to God. None of those things get a person to heaven. None of those uh, things bring contentment into the heart. I mean, it, you know, if religious deeds could have done that. Certainly Saul Tarsus before he became the apostle Paul, he would have had that, but he, he, he wasn't, he was a very arrogant, self-righteous Pharisee, uh, you know, a very devout Jew, but he wasn't saved. He wasn't born again. He wasn't converted until God converted him. So I would just say, son, anybody listening today, the question, my friend, for you to ask yourself is this, where is self right now in my life? Is it on the throne or is Jesus on the throne? um, have I, have I done business with Jesus yet? Have I repented and trusted Christ to forgive me and, and received him into my life so he can sit on the throne of my heart, you know, to be my Lord and my Savior, to be my King, to be my Redeemer? Because if you haven't done that, then my friend, you can be converted today. As you make that transaction with God, that great exchange, you bring yourself to him and say, Lord, let's put this guy to death. Okay, let, 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 let's put, let, let's take the knife to him. Okay, so there's like a circumcision that has to happen, but it's it's a spiritual circumcision, not of the body, but of, of of the spirit, of the soul. And the Holy Spirit comes in and he puts the knife to self. That's what it means. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Now, yes, the zombie life it still fights. It, it still tries to come back there, uh, get on the throne. Um, and anytime time we as Christians don't say no. Well, I think I'm going to coddle this thought a little bit. I probably shouldn't be thinking this, but I'm going to do it. I probably shouldn't say this. I probably shouldn't, you know. Give in to temptation. I probably shouldn't hold this grudge or or have this dog going through my mind. It's sinful. Well, that's that. You know, what we're doing is we're we're bringing the zombie back to the throne. And no wonder the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Um, now, and, and when I say that, son, I mean, when I say we, we're bringing him back to the throne, I'm not saying we're putting him on the throne, but we're we're, we're letting him kind of just mess in our heart and mind in a way that we shouldn't be doing it because um, it's offensive to God. It hurts our spiritual life. Um, and it'll just mess us up. It just messes with the mind. It messes with the heart. So conversion is the way to go. Um, and, and I tell you, I feel sorry for people, son, if they've only had... Religion. Maybe they had religion shoved down their throat, you know, when they were young, and they never ever got to experience conversion. All they had maybe was just this uh, fundamentalist, you know, um, strict upbringing, but nobody ever led them to Christ. Nobody ever brought them to conversion. They weren't ever raised with a proper mixture of love, unconditional love, and and, and, and biblical teaching in the gospel. And so when you went into somebody today who's hardened against religion, many times that's, that's why. Because somebody messed them up with, with a very, very strict... Um, strict but not not biblical. I mean, you know, yeah, God wants us to, you know, the Bible's very strict in the way God wants us to live, but there's a way that that gets um brought to a person, there, there's a way that the Holy Spirit converts a person, and, and, and if somebody's staying in their home or if they're sent off to some school and it's just, they're just harped on and harped on, but they're not really um, taught about God's love and God's grace, and they don't receive Jesus into their heart um, to sit on the throne of their heart and forgive their sins, then I tell you, some of the hardest people to reach are people who've been burned by religion, um, who, who've had it shoved down their throat. They're a lot harder many times to reach than maybe a person who's never hurt anything because, um, I don't know, uh, Satan just really uses that against people to mess up hearts and minds, uh, because of their bad experience with religion. But I would just say, my friend, if you're listening you know, today and you say, I'm one of those people, um, you know, reject that religious approach, but don't reject Christ. Don't reject conversion because you'll only be hurting yourself, you know, as bad as that may have been in your life. And, and if it happened to you, then it was bad. Um, as horrible as that experience may have been, um, that's not the real deal. That's not Christianity. Um, you know, until you're converted, you won't even really know what I'm talking about. But you must be born again. You must have Jesus come and live on your heart. otherwise you're gonna stand before him one day in his courtroom with, with no defense, no defense whatsoever. And, and you won't be you won't be let into heaven. Um, unless he's there as your savior, um, unless you receive him, you know, here on earth as your savior, uh, you will stand there all alone. And, and even with, you know, there'll be no excuses. Well, Lord, I had this bad religious experience. Um, Jesus will say to people, depart from me. I never knew you. OK, so you can know Christ today. Don't let that be. Uh, don't let that happen to you. Don't be one of those that the Lord says, I uh, depart from me. I never knew you. Well, well, Dan, how do I avoid that? Come to Christ today. Repent of your sin. Believe the good news. Surrender your life to Christ. Say, Jesus, come in. Be my king. Be my Lord. Be my savior. Wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. Change my heart, Lord. And, and and, and you know, friend, you're not going to be perfect going forward. OK, but you're going to aim high because of the king was in your heart and the way you're going to aim high is not by reading a bunch of self-help books but by meditating on scripture reading scripture being connected with other Christians um, that, that's why a local congregation is so critical for a person's strengthening in faith but you're, you're, you're not going to be perfect but but you're going to want to live for Jesus and God's going to teach you. Say no here. Say no there. Say no to that. Uh, you might say, well, there's a lot of no's in there. Uh, well, I mean, my goodness. I mean, look, look at how many no's children have, okay? Uh, don't touch the hot stove. Don't go out into the street. Don't wander away from parents at the store. I mean, of course, there has to be no's. There has to be no's uh, so that we don't get into trouble, okay? And, and if somebody doesn't want no's, then well, what you're basically saying is, you know, children shouldn't have them either. What what right does a parent have to tell their child no? Don't dabble with that. Don't run off there. Don't do this all by yourself. You know, don't don't get alone. You know, so it, it just doesn't even make sense. So so don't talk yourself into something uh, before you've, you've um, you know, really examined what the Bible says about Christianity and about conversion. And, and I'll tell you, you're not going to even have a clue really what I'm talking about uh, until you're converted. And if you're not sure whether you've been converted, you know, is Jesus your king? Is he your savior? Are you trusting in his death for your forgiveness? Or um, do you not ever think about that uh, stuff? Or maybe you think, well, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. Then I would say to you, my friend, gently and lovingly, um, you need to be converted. You won't, you won't, you won't think about it that way anymore. You won't have that attitude once you're a believer, once you accept Christ as your Savior. Um, once you, once He comes to live on the throne of your heart, um, but there needs to be a transaction. You know, you need to bring Him your sin. If you haven't done that, you need to bring him your sin and say, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood or something to that effect. I mean, just put your faith in him. You don't even have to say any words out loud if you don't want to, but faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, son, self-help won't get it done, but, um, you know, man, man, man's the author of self-help, but God is the author of conversion.
0: You know, one of the things, Dan, that becomes kind of scary is that for Christians, for believers, They have the tool, Jesus, the Bible, you know, enter into their lives, and that's the only thing that you need. But then they start to look to other things. They look to yoga, for example, for enlightenment and meditation or self-help books themselves. And I remember about 20 years ago or so, there was a book written, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and a lot of Christians jumped on this. And I don't know if you remember it or not, but there was an excerpt from the book. I just wanted to share real quick and then kind of get your thoughts on it. Um, so mm-hmm. I guess this was a story that was um, told back in 1977. So, again, you got to have the setting because there's no Internet and some of this other stuff that we have today, modern conveniences. But this lady goes mm-hmm. to this seminar and there's this recipe or this uh, formula, I guess, that was presented. And it's it's this it's imagination mixed with vividness becomes reality. And the speaker was talking about how the mind actually thinks in pictures and not words. And the more vividly we have these pictures in our mind, the more it becomes a reality. Okay, And then she goes on and she quotes uh, biblical truths that she says the Lord gives us, like the desires of our heart in Psalm 37, 4. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Proverbs 23, 7. So she's quoting this scripture. So she decides to take pictures probably from magazines or wherever put together this photo album and vividly express what she was wanting out of life and so some of the things are like a good-looking man so she has a picture of a good-looking man maybe Robert Redford at the time or maybe you know somebody else like that who knows Um, a woman in a wedding gown a man in a tuxedo because she wanted to get married a bouquet of flowers and goes on and on an Island in the, in the Caribbean, a lovely home. And so she has this picture album she puts together. Okay. So again, she's wanting to, as a Christian supposedly wanting to better her life and, and have these things come true. And then as the story goes in the book, she's talking about how she's driving down the freeway in California. And all of a sudden this red and white Cadillac passes her by and there's a good looking man in it that somehow they catch eyes and they introduce each other or whatever. Okay. Then, eventually they end up getting married. And so she's starting to let these things be known about these pictures that she has in this picture book coming together. They eventually get married. um, They have a nice, beautiful home. He happens to work for some uh, furniture company or something like that, maybe an import business. And so one of the things that she had in her picture book was new furniture. So they decked the house, which was also a part of her picture book. And so all of a sudden, these pictures that she had start to come true. And here's the dangers of it though, is people will read this and they'll start to think that I need to do something like that because if it comes true for her, then that's how it's going to come true for me. And what they do then is they take their eyes off of what God can do for you. And not only are you putting yourself and your focus on material things, which the Bible warns us against, and which we've learned from the recent hurricane in Florida, it could be easily destroyed in the heartbeat. But we're focusing on something that we shouldn't be. And so people look at these things, even Christians, they fall into that trap where they're going to look at these other things other than the Bible and other than, you know, taking it to God. And they're going to see these people in these so-called Christian help groups or self-help, whatever. With the with the label of Christian and God on it, and they're going to see, oh, if that worked for them, then maybe it worked for me. And then it becomes a distraction, and it takes them away from their focus on God and puts it on back on the focus of self. Because now you're doing this picture album, and now you're trying to self fulfill this picture album. And I think that's a huge trap that a lot of Christians fall into, not realizing that they have the one and only answer sitting right there in front of them in Jesus,
1: the Bible, and God. And isn't that interesting, Son, just in that example you gave, how, you know, this is man's natural tendency to look to himself, to look to herself uh, for the solution, for the answer, for the improvement. This is why, again, I say that the the, the biblical teaching on conversion is that in order to be improved, um, you need to first be removed. So this is absolutely essential to living the Christian life. Um, God doesn't need our, um, our power or our holiness because we don't have power or holiness to bring to the equation. Uh, all we have to bring is ourselves, you know, and, and to lay that down to the foot of the cross. It's like, Lord, okay, what would you like me to do? And the first thing the Lord says, well, you know, actually uh, we're not going to need, 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 uh, need that anymore. Uh, who, who you were. So let, let's just send that one away. And uh, what, why don't you just now concentrate on saying no? What do you mean, Lord? Uh, well, now that you've said yes to me, just concentrate on saying no. Well, to like what? Uh, well, uh, if you have a, a sinful thought about somebody, say no to that. If you have a lustful thought about someone, say no to that. If you have a jealous thought, an envious thought, say no to that. Well, but Lord, That's hard. Well yeah, that's the Christian life. it is hard it's not easy to be a Christian not easy to say no because self is still going to want to have its say and so Lord it's like, well well then who am I really uh, well you're you're a follower you're a follower of, of, of mine you're you are a believer um, you are new you have a new identity you have a new uh, home uh, you' you have an inheritance waiting for you in heaven uh, but I don't need your yourself. Um Your your sinful nature. I don't need you anymore to control it. Um, what we need to see happen now in this Christian life is where you let go of control and and you say no. You say no. And and then as you read my word and hang out with other Christians and listen to sermons and Bible teaching, and as you uh, choose to use the gifts I've given you, and you're helping other people, and you're serving other people, just watch how much power there will be in your life. And, and you'll you'll get through in the day of that. You'll be like, well, man, I didn't know I had that in me. And it's like, well, the only reason you have it in you is because God's power is now in you. Christ is now in you. It's, it's a whole different motivation. It's a whole new person. Uh, His majesty, the Lord Jesus Christ is now on the throne of your heart. That's why that new life is present. Um, You could have worked on self-help stuff for a hundred years and never brought that about because a new and improved you is, is um, a million times less significant than Christ in you, Christ in you. And that, that's amazing. Son, when you think about it, that the creator of the universe, the second person of the Trinity, the savior of the world, that he comes to live within uh, the heart of, of his child and, and Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, he he dwells within the believer, and so he is our source of forgiveness, of power, of grace, of strength. And and yeah, that example you gave though uh, once again is so typical of what the world you know steers people toward. You know, you do it yourself. You 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 uh, you rely upon this method. You rely on this formula. And I would just say to you, my friend, if you've been looking to formulas and and methods and all of this stuff, um, I would I would ask you: Have you looked to Christ? Have you asked him to live through you? Have you asked him to be your strength, to be your grace, to be your power when you're weak, to be your focus when you're, you're obsessing over yourself and and how great you are, how terrible you are. Um, That's all the old life. Um, You don't need to do that ever again. You don't need to. Now, I'm not saying you never will, because sometimes we're tempted to do that, but you don't need to. You don't need to obsess over any of your successes or any of your failures. That's the old life. That's why you hated yourself. And that's why you loved yourself so much. Uh, And and, and Christianity is very different. It's like, don't, don't love yourself. Don't hate yourself. Love God. Get self out of it because that's pride. That's pride. Either way, that's pride. I'm, I'm a great person. That's pride. I'm a terrible person. That's pride. Christ is a wonderful King. Now we're getting somewhere. Christ is a perfect savior. Now we're talking. Christ is my all in all. There you go. Now you're getting it. That's what it means to have self removed so that we can be improved. And the new and improved version is only the result of the Lord Jesus Christ in us and living through us.
0: Well, one of the things, Dan, that you bring up in the article that we've kind of been touching on, but you know specifically is you know what happens if the, the soul within us died to self and rose again through faith in Christ and we find contentment? And that's one thing that I think that we don't find in self-help because if there really was a true answer in humanistic or worldly self-help, then there wouldn't be the need to continue writing different books, different books, different books, addressing things. You know, 10 steps to a better life. Well, I think there's more. life is more complex than 10 steps, and then it's the next 10 steps, you know. And so they keep writing these books to – get us to chase something instead of just being content and having that contentment that we find. And I think that's the difference. The difference is that you're trying to fulfill this void with something that can't be filled unless it's filled with God and the Holy Spirit, because you can't sit there and continue to chase contentment or can continue to chase whatever it is that you want, because you can look at Let's say the house, for example, okay, like using that example from that book, you know, she wanted a beautiful home, so she had this home in Laguna Beach, California, which if you've never been there, it's a beach community, it's pretty expensive, a lot of nice homes. But what about just the contentment of having a roof over your head, having a place to stay that God has provided for you and he provided you the means, the job or whichever to pay for that. Um, what about just having food on the table, having the contentment of knowing that you're going to eat every day, having the contentment knowing that you're just going to be fellowship with other believers and other people and that you've got a good core of people around you or that you've got a steady job that pays you enough to cover the bills. Now, I'm not saying we have to be content and complacent, and I think contentment and complacent can often get uh, misconstrued and confused and people mix it up, but it's like if God's going to provide for us then we don't need to be worrying about all those otherworldly things because God will provide to us, and we can have the contentment of knowing, A, that this life on earth is just a short period of time. You know, It's temporary. We can have the contentment of knowing that we're going to heaven, have the excitement of knowing that as well. And then on top of that, we can have the contentment of knowing that we're not always pursuing something, whatever it is that's out there that we're supposed to be pursuing that's going to supposedly make us better. We don't have to sit there and think about the positive vibes and ask for and request positive vibes and positive thoughts on social media because we have the contentment to know that God is in control and all we have to do is go to him. We don't have to rely on others. And so I think that contentment can play a big role in it, and that's a, a big word that I think in this conversation a lot of people really don't understand is what it's like to have contentment in Christ because you are in him and he is in you.
1: That is so, uh, so important, isn't it, son? I mean, uh, I think about the apostle Paul. He said, I, I've learned the secret of contentment. Um, you know, whether, um, you know, living in plenty or in want, whether hungry or well fed, you know, he said, I, I, I've, I've learned this secret of being content in any and every situation. And just as you said there, Son, it it is because of Christ in us. He gives us this contentment, or what the Bible talks about as this peace which passes all human understanding. And and this is where I say, my friend, if you're, uh, as you listen to this today, if you're someone who's not yet converted, you don't know yet what I'm talking about, but you will, the moment you're converted, you'll start to experience that peace. Now, will it be a perfect peace in this life? No, not in a sense that you'll still have things in this life that you won't have in heaven. You know, you'll still have an old nature that wants to get back up on the throne. You'll still be battling self. That's not uh, that's not pleasant. You'll still have temptation. Uh, we still have many, many uh, bad things that happen in the world as a result of sin being in the world. So, uh, it won't be a perfect existence, but there'll be this contentment which Son just mentioned, that God will place in your heart because He's there. And wherever God is, there's contentment. You know, you look, look at the life of Christ. I mean, uh, how about when He was out on the boat and the disciples were all uh, you know just Scared because of the huge storm that they encountered, and what was Jesus doing? He was asleep there on the boat, you know. And they woke him up, and and they were afraid they were going to die. And and Jesus was like, hey, you know, um, you know, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And and so, um, we doubt because we're we we doubt because we're sinful. We doubt because we give in to self. But when we say no to doubt, no to fear, um, no to what our senses might be trying to tell us. Um, Jesus takes over and he says, Hey, you know, I got this. I got your back. I mean, um, he's going to bring us to heaven one day. I think he can handle this thing that we're going through right now that is very uh, pressure-packed, and it is overwhelming. It feels overwhelming, but but God's got this. And so this contentment is a huge, huge benefit. One of the many, many benefits of being a follower of Christ is, is there's contentment that God gives. And, and I'll tell you, my friend, you can pursue self-esteem, but um, it won't bring you contentment. Um, you won't have deep contentment in your heart because you were created to have a relationship With your Creator, you were created to have a relationship with your Creator. So, in order for you to be in order for you to be improved, you have to be removed, and and you have to go under the knife, Um, uh, the circumcision of your soul um, through repentance. God's got to cut away, uh, and don't worry, it's not a you know physical pain, but but um, he's going to cut away that old nature so that you're no longer um enslaved to that uh, cuz right now you're intertwined you, you, you're sinful nature and yourself uh, you're like one okay you are you are like one um you know it, it, it's almost like son what 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 they used to do uh in some situations with um prisoners is uh as a form of tremendous suffering and punishment for a prisoner they would take a corpse And they would tie that corpse to the prisoner. I can't even imagine how horrible, how horrible that was. Basically until the, you know, until the prisoner died, you know, essentially. Um, The captive died. Well, you know, I I don't mean to be too graphic here, but maybe we need to be a little graphic to think about when when we say we have a sinful nature, what is that thing? It's like a, well, it's a corpse. It's, It's dead. It's rotting. And, and it's especially a corpse if you're a Christian, but it's no longer attached to you. Okay. Now before that was self and, and your sinful nature. It was like that prisoner. You were a prisoner to your sinful nature, the corpse. But once you were converted, the corpse was taken off of you. Okay. And now within your soul, um, there's a peace. There's a fragrance, a, a good fragrance, uh, as compared to that that fragrance of sin and death that the corpse brought. So if you're not yet converted, you have a corpse that you're, you're yourself, that you are attached to. And, and if you don't believe me, just watch the way you respond to things. Watch the times when you get impatient with people or get angry with people or, or, or um, uh, start to worry about something or start to lust after something or start to become jealous or envious. Just watch. You know why? Because you're attached to a corpse, your sinful nature. Now, I'm not saying that Christians, that we never um, experience any of those sins, but it's only when we don't say no, uh, when we don't say no to envy and jealousy and anger and lust and things like this. So um, if you want to be free from the corpse and you want Jesus on the throne of your heart, you're going to have to be converted. You know, it's amazing to me, son. I mean, Human beings can be so clean. They can be so meticulous. They can take such good care of their bodies or of their vehicles or of their homes. You know, sometimes we talk about somebody being a neat freak, you know, but I tell you for a person who's not a believer in Jesus, if they could only look into their soul and see just how utterly horrible their sinful nature is, how appalling it is to God how much it separates them from God, how rotting and stinking that old nature is. They'd be like, Oh, I want to get away from that. Um, I don't want that attached to, to myself anymore, you know? And the way it shows up is in attitudes. It shows up in behavior. Um, but, but none of us like to really look at that, that closely at ourselves. You know, we, we, we prefer to think of ourselves as being, you know, not, 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 you know, very bad people and not, you know, we're, we're pretty good. We don't really, uh, we don't really like to think of ourselves as having something rotting and stinking on the inside of us. But, but that's what the sinful nature is, my friend. And there are so many, many people in hell today because they never got unattached uh, from their sinful nature from that rotting corpse. They never were converted. Because That's the only way it can be cut off of you. You know, you will not have it cut off of you. You could you could do self help. You go to church every day. You know, you could pray every day only Jesus can, can cut that, only the Holy Spirit can convert you. Um, I'm telling you, if you come to the Lord today and repent of your sins, say, Lord Jesus, wash me with your precious blood, convert my soul, live as the King on my my heart, Lord. I mean, you're going to have to be converted. That's the only way that thing's going to be cut off of you. Otherwise, you know, um, you can go through life and, and, and try and do all those things and pursue self-esteem and self-righteousness and self-help and all of that, but if you die and your sinful nature is still attached to you, which it is right now, if you're an unbeliever, then then what, what good has it done you? God's going to look at that thing and say, depart from me. I never knew you because that's how God sees you right now. Um, but he wants to see you as a new person and he also sees how you can be, but why do you think you're a million miles from God right now? If you're an unbeliever, it's because of that stinking rotting corpse that's attached to you right now, your sinful nature that, and there's nothing good in your sinful nature, nothing good in my sinful nature. It hates God. It doesn't want anything to do with God. And if you don't believe you have something like that in you, then, you know, just read scripture and, 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 um, and then examine your own heart. And the better you get to know yourself, you're going to be, oh, man, I guess, yeah, I guess there's some pretty wicked stuff in me. I guess there's some pretty sinful stuff in me. I guess there is some some stuff in me that's just appalling, you know. But, but you know, God will deliver you from that. And then you won't have to wallow in guilt or shame anymore because that's not who you are. As a believer, that's not who you begin. Here to hear again. I'll go back to what Paul said. The good that I want to do, I don't do. See, as a Christian, the real you is who you want to be. Yeah, but I messed up today as a Christian. Okay. Do you want to do that? No, that's not the real you then. Oh yeah, I want to live for sin. Well, then I'd say, Hey, it's time to be converted then if you want to live for sin. But if you don't want to live for sin, if you're a believer in Jesus and then you don't want to live for sin, then the real you is who you want to be. So who do you want to be? Do you want to be a follower of Christ? Do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to have that corpse cut off of you? Um, you know, uh the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing even soul and spirit, joints and marrow. So you need that the the word of God to come in, the Holy Spirit to come in and cut loose. Um that's um that's removing you from the equation. Because once that's cut loose, okay, then then Jesus comes in and he sits on the throne and and, and you're there with him. Um, you know, but it's him, he's the ruler now. And, and your identity is so uh wrapped up in him. It's no longer it's you know, now it's like you know, you, you become a servant of Christ before really you have sinned. Sin, you were tied up to sin. Now you're—it's it, a beautiful slavery to Christ, slavery to righteousness. Um, You know, we don't think of slavery—you know—is a good word, but in that sense, um, uh, slavery to righteousness just means you know you are—you are now bound to Him, and that's a beautiful thing to be bound to the Lord. Because I tell you what, on Judgment Day, you're going to, want to be bound to Him. You're going to want to have Him on your side. You're going to want to have Him uh, speaking for you. You know, uh, you don't want to go into God's courtroom on your own and you certainly don't want to go in there with that sinful nature you've got. Um, so if that's what you're hoping, um, it's not going to end well, you know, uh, and self esteem won't get you there and self help won't get you there and self righteousness won't get you there, but the blood of Jesus will get you there. So just, if you'll call on today, wash me Jesus with your precious blood. And I would encourage you to do it today, my friend, because if you put it off, um, well, then you're going to be less likely to, 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 uh, be converted tomorrow because you can't hear a message like this and remain neutral. You know, it just won't happen. You'll either run into Christ's arms, man, I need that. Or you'll take a step back. No, I'll wait. But I guarantee you, if you wait, okay. Um, you are very, you're, you're, you're bound to become less interested because that's just the nature of it. You know, when God offers us a free gift and we turn it down, um, there've been people who've done that and they've, they've never ever then come to Christ. So if you're hearing this today, Thank the Lord. Uh, because it's all grace for all of us. None of us deserve it. But if God's allowing you to hear this today, um and it's starting to, you know, make some sense, I'd say act on it now. Do something right now. Talk to God right now. Ask Jesus to be your king and your Lord and your Savior. Because if you don't today, my friend, okay, um, then watch your heart just start to drift away from this message. And who knows, a week from now you might be like, Oh yeah, I remember I heard that podcast. Oh, I yeah, that's just not for me. Well, um, yeah, you need to be converted. We all do.
0: Well, and that's the other thing, you know, for all these people that are seeking something, you know, I've known people that have tried yoga, they've tried, you know, the new age, they've tried, you know, it's basically like the, the answer de jour, you know, they're seeking something, they're not being fulfilled by it. So they go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And they keep trying all these worldly things that they think is going to be a solution to what's eating them up inside. And I would just simply say, why not try God? Why reject that? Why not try it? Try and see because it will change your life. You know, you'll you'll go into it like a lot of people. I mean, I think of of someone like a Nabil Quresh and other Muslim people that, you know, or even like a Lee Strobel, you know, they seek to disprove God or they seek to try to find fault in someone's Christianity. And as it turns out, the more they investigate, the more they're drawn to it because they realize it's truth. And so if people would try God, You know, just simply, you know, okay, so you're, you're not really sure. You're kind of a skeptic. You know, what if you just gave them a chance? You might realize that your life can be changed, you know, because people just, for whatever reason, they go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, whatever, whatever it is, worldly solutions. And they try this self-help book, that self-help formula, you know, this practice, you know, that religion over there. And they're always changing, you know, this week it's that, next month it's that. But yet the one thing, the one answer, Which is God, Jesus. It's sitting there for them and they just refuse to even try it. I remember, um, there was a story, um, someone reached out to me, sent me an email, a former student of mine, and she was, um, kind of seeking one of those seekers. And then for some reason, she decided that, uh, she was going to read the Bible. And so she read it from, you know, cover to cover and then she did it again. And the next thing you know, in something that she just wanted to try, she started to realize that, wait a minute, this is truth. Now, whether she was converted, became a Christian, I don't know. I sent an email, never really received a follow up. Um, but at least she, you know, goes, okay, all these people are talking about the Bible. Cause I think she started reading a book and then whatever book. And then that book led to another book because she takes things from the books that she reads and then pursues them. So this book led to this book, led to this book, led to, Oh, this person's talking about the Bible. Well, I'm going to go read the Bible to see what they're talking about. And the next thing you know, she's reading through it and then reading through it. And then she's realizing the revelation of truth is coming to her. And it's like, okay, now she starts to understand that the Bible is truth. And she was excited to kind of pursue that. And so, again, if you read the Bible, might be a scary thought for some people. But if you read the Bible, it's going to make sense if you allow it to. And truth will be revealed. And then it's up to you whether or not you want to follow that truth. But you're going to find that if you try God, your life is going to be changed. And then what you're really doing is you're not trying God. What you're becoming mm-hmm. is you're becoming a believer. Yeah. And now you yeah. are a follower of him because you open the Bible for the first time. And what I mean, try God. It's like you got to open the, anytime you do something, you've got to, try it, right? You got to open the Bible for the first time. If you're going to try new foods, you got to have a taste of that. If you're going to go to a new place, you know, you got to go there before you can experience it. So you have to do something, take an action in order to mm-hmm. start the process. And so why not just open the Bible? Why not just have a simple prayer? God, I don't know what's up. I don't know if you're real, you know, whatever, yeah. just, you know, ex. You know, reveal something to me, you know, whatever it is that's going to get the ball rolling because you have to take an initial step in order for yeah. something or an understanding to, you know, have something about God come true to you. And so just take that first step, whatever it might be. Uh, listening to this podcast could be a first step. Opening the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, maybe going to the ChristianPost.com and looking up the article, you know, self-help formulas versus Christian conversion. Maybe read the yeah. article, you know, just take a step. Then you'll see some verses in there. And then from the verses, you can, from the verses in the article, you can go to the scriptures and you can go to the Bible and look at the, um, you know, the Bible context, the scriptures and read that. And now you're starting to take these steps toward an incredible journey that could change your life.
1: Oh, I tell you, son, that is so well said. And and uh, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the Bible changes lives. That's, that's why, you know, an estimated five billion copies have been sold. That's why it's the greatest uh, selling book of all time. Um, that's why so many people who've started to read the Bible have seen their lives change because the word of God is living and active. Okay. Um, all scripture is God breathed. So my friend, if you want God to breathe on your soul, and go to that book that that was formed when God breathed it. He breathed it into the hearts of the authors of the Bible. Uh, it has God's stamp on it. it. It's his breath. It's his message. It's God's love letter to his people. So that is so well said, son. And, and it uh, it absolutely happens if people will open themselves up to the word of God. And I would encourage you, my friend, if you're not used to reading the Bible, start maybe with the Gospel of John, uh, the fourth book in the New Testament. You know, there are 66 books in the Bible. Um and uh 39 in the old 27 in the new but the fourth book in the new testament is is john so matthew mark luke and john many people find that that's just a great book to start with but then start to fill your mind with scripture start to med uh meditate upon scripture even memorize different uh, bible verses and and the more the word that you get in you um, the closer you're going to get to God and the more this stuff's going to start to make sense because the man without the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. So you have to have the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, uh, that's why in First John it says, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. Um, um, this anointing is the, the Holy Spirit. So not only is Christ coming to live on your heart, but your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit and now you start to understand spiritual things that you did not understand before. Now you understand the truth of the gospel. And, and God is going to show you things in, in the word. And just like psalm said, you know, you've got to start somewhere, but there's no better place to start than there. Uh, just start to fill your mind. Now, you could read the Bible and not be saved. Um but many people have read the Bible and then become saved. Uh, what, what I mean is you, you could read the Bible every day and that, that wouldn't save your soul if if you still didn't repent and believe in Jesus. But um, if you come with an open mind and an open heart and say, Lord, you know, I, I don't understand really any of this, but I want to. Well, then why not go to his love letter? Why not take God at his word? You know, um, uh, you know, why not? As Psalm said, why not try that? You know, what have you got to lose? Well, your soul, for one thing, you know, you've got your soul to lose if you don't, if you don't take God at his word. So, um, yeah, I tell you, son, I think this is uh, a great, you know, some, some great thoughts that we've given folks today. Uh, Why? Christian conversion is so far superior to self-help formulas and uh, I just I, I, I think that uh, as, as people apply what what we've talked about today um, you know as they just simply pray wash me Jesus with your precious blood you try that my friend that's like the nuclear weapon of the spiritual world the blood of Jesus if you really want to fast track this thing uh, then, then go nuclear okay go nuclear go nuclear on Satan go nuclear on self go nuclear on your sinful nature go nuclear on death and on sin and and go to the king of the universe and say wash me jesus with your precious blood if you really want to go fast track then go there okay go there and then and then say it again you know an hour later and say it tomorrow and 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 not that he hasn't already answered it but just as a way of reaffirming that your faith is now in the cross and in the blood of Jesus. I mean, you can't pray that too often. Um, you know, you get converted on the front end. You don't, you don't keep getting reconverted, but, uh, as we've said, this whole podcast, it is important that we, um, that we're strong in the Lord and, and, and the only, that's the only way we're going to be able to say no to the old nature, you know, no to self because I don't, I don't care how long a person has been a Christian that old nature that's down in the basement of the soul. Um, if that thing's given a little bit of room, okay, it's off, it's off and running again. And you don't want to give that thing room. Not, you don't want to go back to the old life. I know you don't, not if you're a believer, you don't, Okay. Um so anyway, son. yeah, this has just been amazing, amazing journey today. And uh, I sure hope that anybody listening maybe if they have follow-up questions for us or um I mean we would love to answer them or visit with people or, or I mean hey, if they want to challenge something we've said here, by all means challenge it. And if you've heard something that doesn't square with scripture, then especially challenge it because we're not the authority here. God is and his word is. So don't take our word for, it. you know, compare it to scripture. And that's the only authority that we have. And the gospel message uh, will save your soul, my friend, but only if you believe it.
0: Sanctified Reason, a podcast that discusses the crossroads of faith and pop culture. Dan Dozella, myself, signing I'm talking about the stories and social issues that affect us today from a biblical perspective. And like Dan said, if you want to reach out... And send a, a message. You can probably the best way to do it is uh, via email. You can just just send us an email at sanctifiedreasonpodcast at gmail dot com. That's just sanctifiedreasonpodcast at gmail dot com. Go ahead and send it to us, and then um, we can respond. You know. Um, Just let us know what you think. Whatever it is, just uh, send us a message. And then you can also check out our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P. RadioWarp.com. Just click on the um, Sanctified Reason logo and all of the episodes will pop up. And if you like what you hear and you think someone could benefit from it, not for our uh, personal gain, but because that's the message of God that's being presented here. And you think someone, uh, could benefit from hearing this message, go ahead and let them know about it and, uh, and spread the word because it's spreading the good news. And maybe you don't have the ability to maybe like, uh, Moses, you need an Aaron to speak for you. Maybe this podcast might be a way to be a voice to spread the message of God to those that might need it. And so Dan, again, we appreciate your time, and your insights as always. And we look forward to our next conversation.
1: Well, thank you so much, son. I sure look forward to that as well. And, uh, yeah, it's been such a great discussion today, and I just hope uh, all the listeners really, uh, really, um, you know, will benefit by, uh, by the words that, that have been shared today.
0: And for those of you listening, hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.